0: Good morning, everyone. It is a a great honor and privilege to be here today. We are continuing uh, the series of Romans. And if you guys, um, there was an announcement earlier. Do you see the slide? Can you guys show it? Don't forget the anniversary next week. Before I jump into Romans, I really want to share about this. My brother uh, is very involved here and there's a sports camp in August Oh no, September 9 to 11 at Mount McKeeling. And I've heard the stories. You know, kids will go there addicted to gadgets, and then they will come home telling their parents they want to serve God and do more with their life. So I pray that, you know, parents, if you have this challenge, you've become uh, COVID gadget people, then encourage your children, uh, maybe send your kids here. There's the details. And it's an amazing time. They're going to have lots of activities. The other thing I want to announce just briefly is our CounterFlow uh, conference. So is your home a safe space for difficult conversations? Are there conflicts that are, you are struggling with? And lastly, do you have so much social media that you need help? These speakers are amazing. I love every one of them. Um, and this is the rates. Uh, don't forget it. I encourage you guys. There's booths for the sports camp, and for CounterFlow at the end of the service. So Let's get into the Book of Romans. I'll be honest. This has been one of my favorite of all the series we've ever done. I love Romans. I love how we're getting into the Word and, and going verse by verse. If you guys backtrack, this is where we were. We went through What's our problem, right? What's the main problem? Sin. That's worse than any disease. It leads to death. So what's our hope? What's our salvation? How can we be made righteous? And there's this word, righteousness imputed, which means righteousness is credited to us. We don't earn it because of what Jesus did. And so we learned that. And two weeks ago, my father kicked off on sanctification with chapter six. Where do we get the power to live righteously? As a review for everyone, because I love the points, two weeks ago, it was about winning the war, and there were three main points, and the first was what? Know your new life. You know, the battle is in the mind. I had my first ever anxiety attack that I can remember last week. And I'm telling you, when I looked at my watch, and I saw my heart rate, and it kept going up, I kept getting more and more nervous. I started thinking, maybe I have a heart problem. Maybe I need to go to the doctor. And sure enough, my hands started to get tingly. So I lied down and by God's grace, you know, four hours later, I had guests. I told them, sorry, I can't talk to you. I was just lying on the couch the whole time they were talking. I've never experienced this. And you know, when, you, when you're nervous, when people talk, it really annoys you. I'm so annoyed at their voices just lying down like, oh, but I've never had that. But what is it? my point? It's in the mind. It's amazing how powerful our mind is as you think. So you are almost, right? Literally. Obviously, there's more to that, but, and the Bible says, know the truth. The truth sets you free. The second is know your new freedom. So know what God has done for us. And then what must we do? We live it out. That's who I am. That's what I'm going to do. And we live it out. Last week, Pastor Ricky went through true freedom. And how do we experience that? Knowing our new master. We're going to talk about Jesus this week. Today, we continue winning the war within. And I have a question for all of you. This is a question that many people ask, many Christians. And even a non-Christian can ask this when they look at Christians. And this is the question. If I am really set free from sin, right, in Jesus, why do I still struggle with sin? You know, have you guys ever asked that question? Have your kids ever said, why is it so hard to do good? My kids have asked me, Dad, but why? Why is it hard to be kind to my brother? You remember that, Taylin? Yes, there she's over there. It's not just Taylin, it's Tegan also. So if I am really set free, why do I struggle with sin? You know, today, I've been a Christian for many years and my kids saw this today. This is my wedding ring. And I usually don't wear it because it it gets tight and stuff. And my wife today said, you know, when you're speaking, it's nice if you wear your wedding ring. I said, of course, I'll wear my wedding ring. And uh, I got in the car, sweating, rushing here, so I'm not late. And as I was driving already, my wife says, where's your wedding ring? What do you think? Did I have it on my hand? I looked and I said, oh, do I have to wear my wedding ring? Because it was on my hand and I drove back complaining the whole time. It's your fault. It's all of you. You guys didn't help me get ready this morning. You didn't pack the car for me this morning. So, Daddy has to do it all. Can you imagine I'm talking about how to win the war within, and the very day I'm giving the message, I'm complaining to all my kids that it's their fault that I forgot to get my wedding ring. So, I have it. Are you happy, honey? Yes? My wife's happy. Score points. So, that's how hard it is. So, when you ask this question, right, what happens? Because you hear those verses. If anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. And you ask, what's wrong with me? I I remember with my mother. my Mom, I don't even remember this. Years ago, right? We were in the car. And now, you know, when I was young, I struggled with pornography. I should correct that. I have struggled with pornography even later in life, not just when I was young, but I remember back then, I told my, my mom, I don't know if I'm a Christian. I even was reading what the Antichrist is like because I thought, because I kept struggling with sin, I might be the Antichrist. But then I found out he doesn't come from where I came from, so it's okay. But still, do you guys understand the struggle of this? So here's the questions we ask. Am I really a Christian? That's, that's the thoughts we have, or is there something wrong with my faith? Did I? When I prayed to Jesus, did I not pray hard enough? Is there something wrong? Will I go to heaven? Am I really going to heaven? What is wrong with me? We ask these questions. Why do I still struggle with sin? And lastly, what will it take to change? Is there, do I need something else? Do I need some other teaching? Does something need to explode in my life differently? What is going on? And I have, I know these questions. I've lived these questions for many years. So today's topic, and I'm going to open us in prayer for the message, is the battle within. So let us all bow our heads one more time as I pray um, for this time. Lord, in your name, I thank you that we can be here together to hear your words. Uh, I confess, Lord, that without you, they're just words. So will you override all my preparation? Will Will you speak through me, through your Holy Spirit? Will you speak to everyone there today, Lord? Whoever's online, um, in person, or even hearing this later on, whatever's going on in their lives, will you calm their hearts so they may hear you, and may your spirit move. I ask this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. So today, we continue the message, and I called it the battle within. Why? You know, God has won the war. The war has been won, and if you are in Christ, genuinely in Christ, you're on your way, but there are battles. And this is the battle within. Three points. First, it is real. Okay. Just three R's. If Someone's asked you, what was the message? You say, Rrr, and that's it. Reveals who we are, and it runs us to Christ. I had to stretch a little, but I found three R's. So, is real. We're going to go through Romans 7, 14 to 25. That's 11 verses or so. And Romans 7 says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh, sold into bondage to sin. So first, before we begin the other verses, the law is spiritual, right? That, that means, why is it spiritual? It's God's Word. It, you know It is good. We learned last week. The law is good. And I remember my kids, we were reading a verse. It says, uh, God's Word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It can pierce to the soul. So God's Word, the law, it's spiritual. It's a spiritual thing. It says a big but, but I, I am what? Of flesh. There's a word here. I'm not going to spend too long on it. But this is where we get the word carnal. This is the carnal man. And it, it's, it comes from sarks. And it means human nature apart from God's influence. So it says, I am a flesh. And that's important to note because we're going to talk about the, the spiritual and the carnal man today, and you'll see it later. Here's something to know about this law that is spiritual. I love this quote. I got it from Chris, who's one of our pastors speaking right now at another service. The law is like a map. So God's Word, it tells us, It shows us where you are and points you to where you should go. So The law mentioned here is like the Ten Commandments, right? It tells us, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this, but it lacks the power to bring you where you should be. I'm not saying God's Word is powerless. I'm saying this idea of the law, when there's the law written, it tells us where we should go, but it lacks the power to get us there. We need something more. So we jump into the next verse, verse 15, for what I am doing, I do not understand. This is epic. Paul is one of the most known of all apostles. Wrote so much of the New Testament. Listen to what he said. He says, what I am doing, what? I do not understand. Even Paul is saying, I I don't know why I do this. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. Sorry, I'm going to fix my screen here. So do you notice that even Paul is saying, I don't understand. What is my point here? Before I explain the, ma- the points about this, how do we know that Paul, when he says, I'm doing what I don't want to do, is writing as a person who knows Jesus? How do we know that he's not writing as a person who has never met Jesus? A, this is important. Actually, if you study this passage in commentaries, some people say, It's a non-Christian. When I say non-Christian, someone who's never met Christ. Some people say it is. And for me, there's some very basic points. First, from chapter 1 to 13, it's all past tense. Starting with verse 14, sorry. From verse 1 to 13, past tense. From verse 14 to 25, it becomes present tense. And Paul's a great writer. Paul would not just randomly switch things for no reason. Secondly, the verses. There's a verse here that says, I love your law. So, he loves the law of God. You wouldn't say that if you haven't been changed. Other verses in the Bible, Galatians 5.17 talks about the Spirit sets itself against the flesh. So, we know there are other verses that support what Paul is writing about. Other stories in the New Testament. You know, um, there's stories in, in, in some books where the apostles, Barnabas, for example, was led astray by what Peter was doing. So these are people that have come to Jesus, but they're not perfect. So there really is a struggle with sin still in a person's life. Lastly, is our experience. Is there anyone here who has not struggled with sin in the last, let's just say, month? Raise your hand. Really. And we'll take place, we'll trade places. I'll sit down. And you can come up. Why? Because there is no one who will actually say, I don't struggle with sin anymore. Maybe you don't give into sin, but there is that battle, right? There's always a struggle. Why? Why is it that we still have that struggle? The point here first is the battle is real. That's my main point. And we'll talk about why in the next uh, section of this message. But here's some application on this battle is real. First, do not be discouraged because of the wrong expectation of perfection. If someone's taught you that when you become a Christian, when you come to Jesus, because you're new, everything changes, you'll be very discouraged. You'll ask those questions I asked. Am I really a Christian? So do not be discouraged. Secondly, do not live in expectation of defeat without hope of victory. There's two extremes. The one extreme is you you will never make a mistake again. What's the other extreme? You're always going to make mistakes, so don't fight anymore. No, no, no. We fight. As Christians, that is our badge. We fight day in and day out for Jesus, through Jesus. And when we fall, we get back up. So never give up because there is victory in Christ, and we'll get there. So look at this verse, Philippians 2.12. It says, "'Work out your salvation with fear and trembling." Work out. Nothing comes easy. If physically we have to work out things we want to do, when we say, Lord, give us this day our daily bread, do we then sit down and wait for the bread to appear on the plate? No, we cook the food. We go to get our jobs. How much more when we say, Lord, deliver me from sin, does God say, let's get to work. Let's get at it. There's a lot of work to be done in sanctification. Salvation, completely free. Jesus' righteousness is credited to us. Sanctification, which is Living righteously, lots of work. And you know, I think it's a good thing. Imagine if when you became a Christian, you never struggled with sin anymore. Then how would you understand what it means to persevere? Do you still have free will if suddenly you you never feel tempted? It's a very interesting questions, right? So God is amazing the way He designed the entire Christian life. It's difficult. It makes sense. I'm going to share a little bit about myself. Some of you know this, but who knows what this is? Karateka. Anyone? See, it's a young generation. StarCraft. Anyone knows what this is? I've shared this before. When I was young, a pastor's kid introduced me to video games. Those pastor's kids, I'm telling you. And as I got older, I didn't just play them. I worshiped them. I loved them. I played World of Warcraft when I was in business school. While my friends were meeting and networking, I was running around as a little wizard casting spells with strangers I don't know, but I enjoyed it and I spent so much time doing it. I'm not going to talk of all the details, but I want to as I go through this message, I want to walk you through my journey with my addictions, and how God has worked into victory in His, in His way. But for someone back then, these were huge addictions for me. I don't know, parents, if your kids always ask you this question. My son says, I'm so bored. I don't know what to do. Can I play on the iPad? And so, what do I say? No, do something productive. Then he says, can I watch on the iPad? I say, "Uh, something else. And this is his new one, right? He says, can I code? You know, I found out the coding game he does, it's a coding game. He'll code and then play the code. So he's really smart, but this was my struggle. And I would give into it all the time. And I would give into pornography along with it and many other things. I will tell you what happens later. But this is a person who grew up in church, went to all the youth camps. I would confess. I would would say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'll never play again and go back and play again. So I would make a mistake, give in, go back to God. Again and again and again. We're going to take a pause on that story and go to the second point. So what's the first point? The battle within is what? It's real. Can I hear it from there? The battle within is? It's real. Do you agree with me? Yes. You're like, hey amen, I'm normal. Next, it what? It reveals who we are. I'm going to do something here, a little confusing, but it won't be. Romans chapter 7, verse 14 to 17, mirror, verse 18 to 20-something. 20. So, I'm going to connect them, right? So, Romans 7.14 says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh, sold into bondage. Romans 7.18, the first part says this, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is my flesh. So, I'm going to make it so we go through the comparison of the two eyes, Because P- Paul is talking about the old me, which I said, the, the flesh, and then the new me, which is in Jesus. The old me is the one I said, There's, it's carnal. This is the flesh. The new me is spiritual. It cares for the things of God. The old me is in bondage to sin, and the new me is set free from sin. I'm getting these from the verses as we go, okay? We're going to build this chart together. Verse for 15, the first part says, for what I am doing, I do not understand, for I am not practicing what I would like to do. So remember those words, not doing what I want to do. What does he want to do? It's also here. Verse 18b to 19a, for the willing, right, I want to do is present. I have a desire to do what's good. But the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do." Do you see how similar they are? What I would like to do, I am not practicing. So, they're very similar. So, I I put them together. So, the flesh is what? I cannot do good. So, I cannot do the the right thing. The new me wants to do what's good. Okay. But I am doing the very thing I hate. So what is he doing? He's doing what he doesn't want to do. But I practice the very evil that I do not want. See the similarity? And we'll add, does sin, right? Does what he doesn't want to do. Hates sin, so the other one hates sin. I don't want to do it. Verse 16, but if I do the very thing I do not want to do. (laughs) It's like a tongue twister, right guys? You see how when you read this the first time, you're like, what is going on? Is he confused? He sounds confused, but he isn't. He's a very good writer. He repeats it twice. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do," what does he say? I agree with the law. See, the fact that he doesn't want to do it, he's saying, well, I agree with the law. I agree that it is good. I love God's Word, God's law. I confess that the law is good. And in verse 20, he says, but I I am doing the very thing I do not want. So, the idea here is, right, if you don't want to do something, if you do what you don't want to do, that means you actually agree that you're not supposed to do it. It's very basic, but confusing if you just read it. So what is this one? It loves God's law. It's the, the new me. And the old me is against God's law. And, and then, as we get to the end of these verses. So now, no longer am I the one doing it." So now he's saying, and by the way, that's not me. <laughs> like, huh? What are you saying? But sin, which dwells in me. And in 720, he says the same thing. I am no longer the one doing it, but sin, which dwells in me. So what, is, what are we going to add here? I'm just going to highlight, Paul says, and let's look at this verse. When I do what I don't want to do, which is when I sin, who does Paul say is sinning? He says, it's the other guy. So, it's, it's the flesh me. Obviously, Paul still does it. We can't use that verse and say, well, I didn't sin, it's sin in me. Well, obviously, It's still you. You still did it. But Paul's saying, you know why I did it? It's because I have that other side to me. Have you guys heard of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? That's a book, right? In our generation, what is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Bruce Banner and the Incredible Hulk. That's our version of it. But it's like there's two people inhabiting one body. And one, when it gets stronger, causes the other to lose potency, and it does the wrong things. And that's what happens here. So, we have our freedom. We can do what we want, but Paul is saying, this is the struggle we have. And if you look at Galatians 5.17, this verse echoes that. It says, for the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. So, these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. We know this, guys, in this country. <laughs> have you seen this sign? Bawal. <clears throat> bawal. My wife, kasi my wife, when she says, Bawal, she says, Bawal. So, I've learned the American version of Bawal. usap Bawal magtapo ng basura. D2. Salamat po." And what happens? Yes. Let's put the trash there, guys. Or, Bawal, honey. Bawal tumawid. May namatay na dito. For my American friends, do not cross. Someone died here already. And yes, someone's going to cross. Right? I mean, that's, that's how we are. Don't do it. Oh, but I must. And then, um, no parking. Can you imagine what you're going to see? All parking. So, guys, that, isn't that what we notice? It's like, don't do this. Oh, I must try. So, there's something in us, right, that, that really wrestles with that desire to do good. Because if I ask you here, who wants to sin after church? Raise your hand. No one's going to raise their hand. But if I ask you next week, who sinned after church, how many of you will raise your hand? Depends, right? Depends if your wife asks you to bring your wedding wing. So, Romans 7, 21 to 22. So he says, I find the principle that evil is what? Present in me. It's quite a shocking statement for Paul to say, there is evil present in me. Because you would think that he would say, when I came to Jesus, the darkness was destroyed and nothing evil remains. You know what? How I see this, it's like we're on a journey to eternity, but the Bible says, and you'll see it next week or no, two weeks from now in Romans 8, we long, we long for that day when this flesh, this body, will be uh, completely redeemed. I want to make a point here. Please don't think that the body is evil and the spirit is, is good. This verse, These verses are not saying your body is evil. You know, people, they cut off their hands. They do weird things. They gouge out their eyes because they think I will cut the evil out. That is very wrong. The Bible, Bible says that we were made in the image of God. This body, even though I have a flesh nature is still amazing because it was made in God's image and capable of so much good. It is with this body that we bless people. So the body, the Bible says, we are God's workmanship created for good works. What are you going to use for the good works? Well, this body. So please remember that because sometimes that teaching comes out. So here's this verse. I find this principle. What is the principle? Evil is present in me. Look at this. The one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. So, he says, I I love God's law. I joyfully concur. I'm so happy about it in my inner man. I'm going to put it on the chart so we don't get confused. Evil is present in the flesh. The inner man is the real me where you love God's law, you hate sin, you want to do good, and you're set free from sin. And again, it's not the body is bad and the spirit is good. It is, I have that old nature that is, uh, we learn, it's set free, but still has a way of dragging us. The law of sin, I mean, this is the next verse, and the law of my mind. I, I, I'll read the verse. But I see a different law. Now, he's talking about laws in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind. So, the law of my mind is the one that's being waged on by war with uh, the law of sin. So, sorry. The law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. So, the law of sin is in my flesh, and it's waging war against the law of my mind. Um, It's making me a prisoner. I become trapped. And some of you feel that. I'm a prisoner. I I keep giving in to sin. And when we get towards the end, we'll talk about that. Like the Apostle Paul, a real follower of Jesus will dot, dot, dot. Here's my encouragement. How do you know that you love God or you have come to Jesus? Even though there's an influence of sin in your life, you should hate it. If you are sitting here saying, I actually love sin and I want to sin, being tempted is different than wanting to do it. But if you want to, and you're just sitting here because your friend dragged you and you have to sit down, ask yourself, why do I love sin? The Bible says, if I am a new person, I won't. Then you should love God's law. I want to do what God wants me to do. That's the person that is changed. That's the new us, and we should all have this desire in our hearts. It's a huge difference. You know, before, before you came to Jesus, you were, your natural state is to give in to sin, and God's wrath is at war with you. When you become new in Christ, you are now at war with sin. You are now on God's side, and you are fighting sin. With God, before you're you're with sin and God's fighting you. Now, God's with you, and you are fighting sin together. I mean, obviously it's all His power and His grace, but you know He's going to teach you how to do it. So, here's I love this. Uh, I learned this from one of the pastors. We have a, a gathering when we prepare for the messages. Other than Jesus, there is no sinless perfection on this side of eternity. But we are called to sin less and less. You like the play on words? Yeah. Creative, right? Sorry, I'm so proud of that chart. No sinless perfection, but we are called to what? Sin less and less and less. So, huge difference. So a few years ago, I came up to church and shared that I have had the victory because one day, I was praying, and I saw my kids and my wife, um, and I realized that I was wasting my life. Okay, so let me correct this. A lot of you love video games. My kids like to play Boomerang Foo. Well, those of you who have a Nintendo Switch, you'll be happy you bought it. Boomerang Foo, a great game. I recommend—oh, wait, that's, this is a Sunday message, stop. Um, we play party games together, so let me make sure parents I'm not telling you games are bad. I am saying, when something takes God's place in your life, it doesn't matter if it's a game or a Korean drama. It's equally sinful, right? A lot of you chuckled, so I know now who you are. So I gave a testimony. I said, you know what? God set me free. It's gone. Then you know what I started to do? I started to shop on Amazon. I don't know why, but I started to look for something. And then, I started to watch those. I don't watch those dramas. I watch, I watch some other stuff, Marvel. And, and before you know it, what do you think happened? I found Hearthstone, and I found Wild Rift. And these are all games. No one here, you know, if you don't know what it is, don't worry. It's like Mobile Legends. If you don't know what MOBA Legends is, you probably just arrived in the Philippines yesterday because everyone knows what MOBA Legends is. Well, what's my point? I had victory. I announced it to everyone. And my poor wife, who, who asked me when we were dating, do you play video games? And I said, no, I do not play video games because I had not been playing that whole year. So, she said, yes. Okay, I'll marry you. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> who are you? She, she said that to me. Who are you? I said, I'm the guy who used to not play video games, but now I do. So, it's been a long conversation in our family, and I'll tell you more. So, why did I share that? Remember? The struggle. I, I'm just, it, it's still there. I have to be careful. And we'll talk about the last point. What does it do? It runs us to Christ. The third So first, it is real. Second, it reveals who we are. And what's the third one? Runs us to Christ. Look at this verse, 24 to 25. Wretched man that I am. This is the Apostle Paul. Wretched man that I am. What is the insight here? You know, um, C.S. Lewis said this, ask Hitler, if he was a bad man, and he would say, no, ask Abraham Lincoln if he was a bad man, and he'd say to a great degree. I don't think we have to walk around with a chip on our shoulders. But the closer you get to the light, the more you see your smudges. Because of how beautiful God is and how perfect He is, even as we grow better, when we get to know God more, we realize, I still have a long way to go. I was just asked my dad the other day, do you still have to grow? Do you still have areas to work on? And what did my dad say? Thumbs up. Yes. So, none of us are exempted, right? So Paul says, wretched man that I am. Honest acknowledgement or brokenness of your sinfulness before God is part of the running to Christ. It must be humble. Must realize, you know, honestly, no matter how long I follow Jesus, I still need, I still need Him, and, and that's what it's supposed to be, right? So, wretched man that I am, who will set me free? Did He say, wretched man that I am, I will try harder? No, He said, who will set me free? So, what's the point here? Uh, a, a humility, admitting. We need, we need God. We can't do it on our own. And thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus, Jesus, uh, no, no greater name than Jesus. Yes, I mean, clap. In fact, yeah, so blessed by, the, by Jesus, right? And Paul, a little bit of a, was a joke, party pooper reminds us, so then on the one hand, I, myself, with my mind, am serving the law of God, but on the other hand, with my flesh, the law of sin. So he just reminds us, there's two of us. And what's the point? How does Jesus lead me to victory? We're going to have a testimony uh, coming up, and I'm going to ask you to listen to the testimony, and I will expound on how Jesus leads us to victory. Can we cue the testimony, please?
1: Growing up, I always had a very curious mind and would want to know and discover everything. At 12, my older brother taught me how to drive and soon after, when I was 13, we would go partying out at night. I was exposed to friends who are way older than me and from such company learned to indulge in vices such as smoking cigarettes, drinking alcohol, and later on experimenting with drugs. In the beginning, I didn't see the harm. During my sophomore year in college, when I found out I was pregnant, it felt like my dreams and my life was shattered to pieces. Foreseeing a bleak future and the possibility of my family disowning me, I came to a point where I considered abortion as suggested by friends. However, deep inside my heart, there was something in me that was pulling me back away from this decision. This brought me to depression, as well as feelings of hate and anger towards my child after giving birth. I had prolonged postpartum depression and ended up self-medicating with party drugs. I thought that the temporary fix of taking drugs would be enough for me to fill that void and emptiness. My parents got so worried and so they decided to put me in a rehabilitation facility. It was short-lived and after three months of detox and rest, I found out that my parents were having marital problems due to my father having an affair. And this again led me to depression and anger towards him, so I went back again to my old ways. That was the first of my seven times through the years of going in and out of facilities, basements, hospitals for detox. I would always be inconsistent with my jobs, relationships, and everything that I got into was all temporary. I always felt like nothing was enough. In the midst of this, I was reminded about my brother who used to be a homosexual, but whom I witnessed become a totally different person. I became curious about this newfound faith. My brother, Paul, would intentionally pray for me and would make me feel loved. He gave me a Bible years before, and somehow during the course of my relapse, God impressed upon my heart to open his word and repent. God gave me the opportunity to know him more through attending Bible studies and worship service in CCF. I became sober for a year, and soon after, I met my husband in a lunch reunion with high school friends. I knew that Mikey was a Christian and that he was a nephew of my brother's disciple, so I thought to myself maybe marrying a Christian man would be the answer to all of my problems. After a year of courtship, we were married. I realized that my husband was also struggling with the same issues that I had. For years, while adding children to our family, we continued to go through very, very rough times. We would be attending church services and yet doing things in our own power and failed to have a stable relationship. We would have violent fights, never-ending arguments, and just lived a chaotic life. Our discipleship group was actually the one that held us together and kept us from separating during that time. Last 2018 was the time that everything took its toll on us and this time God allowed for us to be really separated. I had a bad relapse and I had to go through our rehabilitation program again while my husband and two children went ahead to Canada to start life anew. We had lost all that we had, our new home that we just had renovated, a very good job that I had. All our savings was wiped out and I really hit rock bottom. Thereafter, the Lord dealt with each of us separately. Mikey became solely responsible for our children while he worked here in Canada and I went through therapy. After a year, we've reconciled and decided to give our marriage and family a chance again. For years, I have been denied entry to Canada and for some reason. Last December 2019, we were told by the lawyers that we should just wait until the sponsorship be granted while I stay in the Philippines and my family will be in Canada. Mikey and I prayed and sought God fervently and decided to give our visitors' application another shot. By the grace of God, Mikey and I with our children have been together since. Moreover, God allowed our son Adam to join us in the middle of the pandemic, as well as blessed us with a fifth child to complete our family. During the pandemic, we also started our own discipleship groups via Zoom and joined Go Viral. It has also been a blessing that I continued to join our Women's D group in the Philippines, while Mikey and I are also being intentionally discipled as a couple here in Vancouver. We are even more blessed as we obey the Lord's command to disciple others. Walking alongside others helps keep the truth of the gospel of grace and mercy alive in our hearts. It also serves to keep us obedient and submitted to God's will. It is a privilege to be part of a community of believers in fulfilling God's work to share Jesus, even as he is doing his work of transformation in our lives. Through the circumstances I faced, I clearly saw God's unending an and abundant grace and mercy for someone like me who doesn't deserve it. I am always reminded that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love the Lord, to those who are called according to His purpose. I am Krisha Prasler. Now I am alive, healed, and completely forgiven by Jesus. To Him be the glory forever and ever.
0: Lord, I, I pray for Krisha and her husband, Mikey, and their family. Thank you for her story of your deliverance. Truly, Lord, in Jesus, there's always hope for change to become better. I pray for her family, that you bless them. And thank you for the testimony they are able to share with us in Jesus' mighty name, we pray, amen. So, how, do, how does Jesus uh, lead us to victory? Remember, Philippians 2, 12-13 says, work out your salvation with what? fear and troubling. It is hard work. It's not easy. That's why we never give up. But what does verse 13 say? It tells us to work, but listen to verse 13. For it is God who works in us, who changes us. It's not us, it's God through Jesus Christ, for it is that God who is at work in you, both to will and to work, for what? For His good pleasure. You know, God, I'm a father. You know, sometimes I, I get stuck praying the first part of the Lord's Prayer. I say, our Father in heaven. And I say, Lord, do I really know what it means to be your son? Help me to understand how loved I am. Help me understand how much you are with me and want us to succeed." You notice it's our Father too. It's like we should be praying for each other to see it through. God is so loving through Jesus Christ, right? So what is our hope? It is God at work. So all these things, I'll be honest. I remember one day I was with my dad and mom walking, and I said, Mom and dad, so when we think of sin, there's like groupings, right? I would say my weakness is pleasure. Pleasure is overeating, overwatching, over shopping, all the over stuff, right? I, I just I enjoy it, pleasure, right? It's like gaming, it's it's like make me happy world make me happy that's mine others is what wealth the accumulation of things i want i want i want for others it's power i need to be in control pride you know i want people to worship me to uh, you know maybe social media is attention the need to be for people to see you so there's all these different Themes when we look at sin. Uh, There's sins that are attitude. For example, you're disappointed in God and you're upset at Him. It's not wrong to be disappointed, but if it leads you to stop worshiping Him, what's happened? So there's all these themes. And I asked my parents, does God really bring pleasure? I said, Dad, you remember this. Dad, I asked you. We were walking. I said, can you experience pleasure from God? I said, because think about it. He's not physical. He doesn't show up. It's not like when you talk to someone, you enjoy a conversation. I, I, was being, I was pushing my dad because I wanted to hear. And here's what he said. He said, he does. And I said, so tell me how. He said, it's a little hard to explain. You have to experience Him to know what I'm saying." And My mom said the same thing. And you know, certain things in life, you can hear, you can hear, you can hear. But to understand, you have to experience it. So I remember, fast forward, I'm on the elliptical at home, and I had gotten my wife to agree that when I'm doing the elliptical, I can play on my iPad. So I started losing a lot of weight because I would stay on the elliptical for a very, very long time. And I remember praying and saying, God, is there something better you want me to do? Let me experience pleasure from you. And then I did something I realized is so important. I turned off the iPad and I started to pray. And I don't know the day it happened, but when you put your faith in the Lord, when God says, I will work in you, and you take that step, and you say, okay, I'll surrender, I'll let you do the work, somewhere between when you made that choice and years later, or however long it takes, God really does work. And my wife will testify that I told her, I don't know, some time ago, I said, thank you for being who you are. Thank you for being a woman that hates games, because God knew that a man like me needed a wife like you. So, you know, God was working before I even met my wife, because He knew my, my, my bent. He starts working in all the little things, all the wrong decisions. You know, Romans 8.28, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love Him. And it's a miracle. I honestly I don't care for them like I used to. I'll be honest. Before, I stopped them because I was afraid of the consequences. But now there's a genuine change in desire. And so, Jesus Christ is really more than enough. Thank you. And I will end with this message. There's a friend I've been spending, you know, chatting with, um, and he has a struggle and you'll understand what's going on. No one knows who He is. So I said, Hey, how are you? He says, I'm still a work in progress. I said, All of us are. This is recent. This is within the last few weeks. God loves you so much. He takes you as you are, but He loves you so much, He won't let you stay there. He will work out those kinks and it can be painful. And He said, Yes, I agree. Then I said, I pray you'll respond in trust that leads to humility and genuine change of heart. It's not easy, I know. Knowing he knows best and surrendering is the hardest, yet best thing you can ever do. He says, I want to surrender to him, but I still don't have the courage to do that. And then I said, exactly, courage comes with trust you can you can take that step if you know who he is and i said when you know he's big enough to take broken pieces that will be left behind by that act of surrender because you know when you give up something it costs there is broken something breaks and god loves broken things cuz he puts them together better than they were before i'm praying for you it's the scariest best most freeing thing that you can ever do, and for all of us, it's not just a one-time thing. I have to learn to surrender again and again. Sometimes I surrender and I take something back, then I need to surrender again. Other times I realize some things I left behind. So even in my surrender, there was something I forgot about. It's a journey filled with compassion and hope. And how do I know that for all of you here, it's worth it? John 3.16. For this God so loved the world, it's all of you, that He gave His only Son, so that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. How can you not let go of anything that gets between you and God? You know He's greater, bigger, better. He's got eternity laid out for you. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has entered the heart of man. What God has prepared for those who love Him. So years ago, I prayed this prayer, and it is a scary prayer. I said, God, whatever the cost, help me to stay close to you. But please be gentle if possible. It's been tough, guys. We've had business challenges that have forced me to run to God. We've had marriage issues that have forced me to run to God. I've had health challenges that make me promise God, I'll never do this and that again. But in all of this, what happens? Just daily going back, daily running back, and doing the things that He tells you. There's so many little things we'll do, and you'll learn in the coming week that if you walk in the Spirit, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. We'll learn more about that. But today, what is the call? We need Jesus. If you have never met Jesus, if you're hearing this and you realize you don't even have that new person. I would like to challenge you today to give your life to Jesus, and I'm going to pray for you right in a minute. If you know Jesus, but you're struggling, you also need Jesus. But what you need to do is surrender, go back to Him and say, I'm sorry, I started doing things my way, and help me to make it through. And you know, He'll work. He'll teach you those muscles to say no. Everyone's different. D-group will help, accountability will help, prayer will help. It's all these things put together, but all through His power and through Him. And if you are someone who's not struggling because you have victory lately, what's the lesson? You still need to stay close to Jesus because until we get to heaven, the battle is what? Is real. The battle reveals who we are and the battle runs us to Christ. Let us all bow our heads. If you've never uh, given your life to Jesus, um, I'll pray for you. And just from your seats, God sees your heart raise your heart up to Him. And Jesus, we come before you. Lord, I admit I'm a sinner. I admit that I've lived life my own way. Today, I need you. I need a Savior and a Lord. Take over my life, be my master, be my Savior. I express my trust in you in this prayer, that you will save me for eternity. I want to pray for everyone. Dear Lord, I lift up to you, everyone here, that we will walk in your ways all the days of our lives. You know the battle is real. For all of us here who are struggling, I pray for encouragement, for hope, knowing that you are bigger and better than all our problems, all our issues, all our temptations. So we run to you, Lord. Help us to run to you. Lord, whatever it takes, we surrender to you at all costs. Can I ask as I'm praying, if there's something you have to surrender to Jesus? Whoever you are, if it's your first time to give your life to Christ, if there's something in your life today that Jesus wants and only knew what it is, you know what it is, will you stand up? I want to ask you to stand because I want you to remember the moment you said, I will never walk away from this choice to make you first every day of my life. And there's whatever the cost, I will do it for you. So can I ask whoever wants to stand to just let the Lord know that wherever you're seating, wherever you're standing, I am surrendering everything to you. And if, if it's something you have to give up, you're giving it up. If it's something you have to do because you want to recommit to stay close to Him, will you stand up? Can I ask any of you who want to stand up as I pray for you, as I close in prayer? stand if you want to recommit your life to Christ and just say, I will follow you all the days of my life and trust you to see me through. Thank you. So for all of you who've stood up, I want to just say a special prayer for you. And you can, those of you who are sitting beside them, you can raise your right hand. Dear Lord, thank you that you are the one that sees us through. In your mighty name, will you help me Will you help each person here to say no to sin through your power? Will you help them to live that life where we lay down the flesh and we let the new person be the person who we are? And I know the journey is tough. Will you give them courage and encouragement and bless them? So thank you, Lord. May your power live through them in the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for who you are. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.